Welcome to Language Chats. This is a podcast for language lovers in Australia and beyond where we share our experiences as well as stories from other Australians of learning, working with and using other languages. I'm Beck. Hi, I'm Penny and thanks for joining us on another episode of Language Chats. In this episode, we are going to be talking about the pros, the cons and everything in between about having a native versus a non-native teacher or tutor in your target language. Mm-hmm. And Penny, I just to, just to get us started, I know that recently you've just started working with a new tutor for a new language, or at least not a new one for you, but one that you're coming back to, I suppose. Um, mm-hmm. How's that been going? Yeah, it's great. So I am back on the Japanese bandwagon after, oh, yeah, it's close to 20 years now, Beck, which is frightening to say. Um, and I have done just one so far italki lesson in Japanese, which has been really cool. Um, and yeah, my tutor is from Kyushu in the, the southern island of Japan. And yeah, she's been great. And how did you find your tutor? How did, did you have a recommendation for somebody? Oh, I did. Well, I went out on the Language Lovers AU community Facebook page and just to said, hi, you know, is anyone else learning Japanese? Do you guys have any recommendations of a tutor or a teacher? Um, and I got some great recommendations back and I sussed out everyone's videos and profiles and how they sounded when they spoke Japanese and just decided to pick one and went with her. <laughs> That's awesome. And have you have you noticed like what what it how is this different to other times when you have studied Japanese in the past? Having having I know like obviously it's an online experience and you know it's somebody who's in Japan still um but teaching you being somebody in Australia. Like how cuz that must be so different to your previous experiences of learning Japanese in Australia. Well, yes. Yeah, so I think um I might be different to some other kids who did Japanese at high school. So I had a a native teacher throughout high school, um, uh, Kirkman Sensei. So she was married to an Australian guy. And and through uni, I had native teachers and tutors as well. There was a time when I was in high school and I was struggling a little bit, I think, and I, my parents got me a tutor to help me with some um, prep for, I think it was year 11. And she was a non-native learner slash speaker of Japanese. Um, but yeah, other than that, I've had um, Australian-based Japanese teachers. Um, but I think because that was in a time of pre, kind of definitely pre italki and internet was kind of in its baby <laughs> its baby <laughs> mode um you know the world obviously is a very different place when it comes to language learning and the global kind of accessibility is is something that we didn't have to have as a decision back then um so i think you know we're in a really great position now to have these choices yeah for sure i know um just remembering back to to high school days because um, I had some Japanese when I was in years seven to ten um, when I was at school as well. Um, and when I think about it too, I had a couple of different teachers, one who was a non-native 
Japanese teacher, one who was a native speaking Japanese teacher. And I remember both of them being, being great. Um, I remember also having my, my initial, so the, the first Japanese teacher I had was the Australian, you know, native Australian who'd grown up in Australia and taught Japanese. And then I actually had the, the Japanese native, um, teacher after that. So in the kind of later section. And so I look back on that now, actually, and in some ways that was really, really good because having an Australian, um, teacher to begin with actually made it feel like it was achievable. Like right from the beginning, it kind of felt like, you know, I feel like I looked at that teacher and I was like, well, if she can do it, I guess we probably can too. Um, and yeah, all things considered, that was actually a kind of a good thing to start with. Yeah. I think, I think that makes a lot of sense that you have said that too. Um, particularly as a kid learning as well, it's really nice to have that kind of role model experience. Um, how about with your other languages, Beck? Um, well, for, so for French, um, I mean, I've had lots, I had lots of different French teachers at school. And again, I luckily also had um, sort of, I would say more native um, speaking, sorry, native French speaking teachers um, than non-native French teachers. Um, so like I, I can definitely remember having at least I think two sort of Australians who taught us French and then I think all of the rest were um, either like, you know, had grown up in France or I remember us having a teacher who was um, originally Lebanese but had grown up speaking French. So like, you know, we had lots of kind of a bit of a, a mixture and again that was sort of a good thing. I think there was it was good to have, you know, some of the insights and um, understandings and, and cultural input from native teachers but also have that mixed in with some other people who had very much like had to learn the language themselves um, and as a student that that was that was useful so um, yeah I would say then as I went into university though I think almost I think every teacher I had at university was a native speaker originally although I had spent a lot of time in Australia. Um, yep. So do you yeah. think the, the real benefits as a learner having a non-native teacher or tutor comes from the teacher themselves being able to put themselves in your shoes and really empathize where you're at at your learning stage and kind of give you some I guess a pathway through (laughs) through the minefield that is learning another language um do you think do you think a non-native teacher is better placed to be able to do that potentially? Um, yes, I, th- I think they are. And I think that for like, that's not to say that native speakers aren't good at explaining their language. I think there are lots of really fantastic native um, native speaking teachers who have lots of experience teaching um, students from other places. And so that means that they have developed and become really good at explaining their language and why, why things work the way that they do. But I do think that non-native, um, teachers can do have that. They have exactly the same experience that, sorry, they, they understand where you are right now in learning that particular language. So like, 
you know, lots of people will have an experience of learning another language, but learning that particular language and understanding the same frustrations that you have, they very much may have had those exact same frustrations at the same stage that you are at. Um, and having that, I think, empathy for for another student who's finding themselves in the same position where they can kind of look back and be like, I remember when I didn't understand separable verbs in German either like they they kind of go oh this is how this is how I learned that or this is how it suddenly made sense to me I had a teacher who explained it to me like this and then it all kind of made sense and I compared it to something in in English or whatever but I, th- I think that that kind of insight is is really valuable um, even though I think sometimes non-native speaking teachers get a bit of a not not like a bad rap they just I think I think lots of people really search for native speaking teachers like it's really important to them to have a teacher who is a native speaker and um so I I think sometimes the (laughs) teachers who have learnt a language and want to teach it to other people um don't always get the the sort of credit that they should um for the the yeah the really important and valuable insights that they can give. Do you think as as a beginner or kind of that kind of upper elementary kind of level, that's when it's a really good time to be seeking out a tutor potentially who might be able to have that level of empathy with you as a learner rather than the more advanced levels? Or do you think it it, it might not matter? I think... Yeah, I I agree. I think that at the beginner and like earlier intermediate levels, um, again, look, everyone everyone's different. Like you've got to find a teacher who is who you're comfortable with. That's obviously like kind of the most important thing when you feel like you sort of vibe with someone in a good way. Um, I think that that obviously helps. But um, definitely at the earlier stages of learning a language, there is something to be said for that that whole the insight that we've just talked about that that real like understanding of why this might be difficult at the beginning um and really understanding the kind of the things that I think sometimes a native speaker will be like well (laughs) you know they just learnt the language as a kid just like we learnt English um and the there are very simple things that beginners have to often learn that to them are just second nature um and again I think I think I would have this exact problem in English sometimes where I kind of look at you know there are parts of language I'm like well you know somebody asked me why is it like that I'm not sure I could always explain that in English um and I think you know any other native speaker of their own language is is the same there are just things that they know sound right and the more like when you're trying to explain to a beginner often beginners have really specific questions about things that they don't understand and um, they're not always the things you expect, like, you know, the whole like masculine feminine issue in um, languages that have uh, grammatical gender, um, you know, why is the chair feminine in French and why is, you know, I don't know, <laughs> a girl neuter in German and not feminine? Like, shouldn't it be feminine? Like, no, it's not. It's 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 neuter. But I think those sorts of questions, like no one can really tell you the answer. That's just sort of how they are. But I think sometimes, you know, as as somebody who's learnt a language or learnt that language, you you might be a little bit better placed to explain the the weirdness or, as I said, like how somebody else maybe taught you to understand that and how it really clicked in your mind. 
Or just to say, just accept it, move on. Yeah, exactly. Or to <laughs> say, just accept it, move on. Don't worry. There's more important things that you might want to like ask questions about later, but you know, let's just take this one for what it is. Whereas later on, as you start to progress through your, your knowledge and um, your ability in a language and you learn more and more, then like that's when particularly native speakers can be so great to have um, as a tutor or a teacher because more and more of the nuance of a language is relevant to you um, because you're understanding more and you can understand more and you're starting to hear things like idioms and and really descriptive speech that, you know, in the past it wasn't important, you just needed like the basics to <laughs> the essentials and then you've like built on all of that. And then things start to get more creative and they start to get more, more built up and more emotional and more dense yeah. in their language. And that's when you can really get a lot of value out of, out of native speakers. But having said that, I mean, like, you know, I think, I think both have, have really good value at different times. I think different languages too would have a, a different size pool of people in the non-native camp to draw from as well. Because I was just thinking about a couple of the languages that I've learned um Chinese Mandarin Chinese and Vietnamese come to mind immediately because I I well I don't know if I would know of a non-native um teacher at the time I mean I do now but mm-hmm. when I was starting out it was um you know it it just wasn't as common perhaps as some of the other languages that we've talked about um Japanese, Indonesian, French, German, uh, they spring to mind a little bit more easily. Yeah, for sure. And and as you mentioned earlier, I think with technology, there's this real, like the, the world has really opened up to us because now that you can like kind of access native speakers of languages from anywhere, you know, you don't have to, you can learn with people online and you don't have to go necessarily searching for somebody who is local um there's a lot of opportunity in that which is really really cool um because like uh, uh, you know recently as you know I started learning some Danish and I've been doing weekly classes online with a with a teacher and he's actually based in Germany um because that's where he's studying but he's Danish and he's obviously teaching Danish online and realistically like yeah, I wanted to start learning Danish, but would I have been able to find a Danish teacher in Melbourne? Like, look, probably if I looked hard enough, but I think I'd have to look pretty hard because I did do a little bit of searching just in case. <laughs> and, yeah. um, and like, there aren't that many places that offer you to be able to learn Danish. In fact, I'm not even sure that there are. Someone out there can correct me if I am wrong on that, because I'm sure there are definitely some Danish people in Melbourne who would happily um, teach their wonderful language to me. Um, But certainly when I went looking online, like I, I really struggled. I, I couldn't find somewhere that I could easily find a Danish teacher in Melbourne. And as soon as I started looking online, I was like, cool, I've like got some options here. Um, predominantly native speakers. I don't think I encountered any non-native Danish speakers online when I was looking. Um, but it is like, I feel like it's such a privilege now that we're able to find teachers anywhere. Um, for so many languages, we don't have to be limited to by, sorry, limited to what is immediately around us. Oh, for sure. For sure. Mm. So then, you know, you learning Danish is like, completely normal and open (laughs) and easy proposition (laughs) 
I know. I love how you say like that's a normal proposition. Yeah. <laughs> In my mind, it felt like normal. It felt normal going from German to Danish. <laughs> I think that makes sense. Makes sense to me. I think, yeah, go for it. <laughs> um, talking about German Beck, um, I know that you have been doing some tutoring as well. Um, and so you're like a perfect example of a non-native tutor tutoring in their second, third language. Yeah, well, it's quite, it's something that came a little bit out of the blue and it's been a really, a really great opportunity. Um, so I'm tutoring a, a lovely and very motivated um, high school student um, who is, is a daughter of somebody I used to work with. So this is where the connection goes. But um, basically this this old colleague of mine kind of got in touch with me and knew that I had been learning learning German. And she is actually a native German speaker. She's Swiss. And um, way, way back when, when we worked together, which was quite a long time ago, um, I was just starting to learn German and we used to have some some lunches together where I would try and practice my German and she also spoke some French so sometimes we would we would practice French together and um, anyway so that's how that's how we knew each other and it has been a while since we worked together but she got in touch with me last year and said oh my you know my daughter's doing German now at school and um, she needs a little bit of extra help and I thought you could help her and actually my initial reaction to that was I am absolutely not qualified to do that. Like I am, I am not a teacher. Like I'm still learning German. I mean, I've been learning German for a while, but I very much still feel a lot of the time like a like a learner. I make lots of mistakes and um, and yeah, feel like I'm learning. And so I said, you know, there are some other places that you might want to go for that instead, where there's some native speaking teachers and um, you know some other people who might know a little bit more than I do. And I was really surprised because she came back to me and insisted that I tutor her daughter, which is a very lovely thing to do, but I was, I was flattered. Um, and she said, no, no, I would really like you to do it um, because, you know, I'm a German speaker, but I can't explain these things to my, to my daughter. Um, and I kind of want her to be able to have some help from an Australian, another Australian who has learnt German and has had to deal with some of those some of those challenges. So, so some of the things that we have just discussed before was very much something that was on her mind. And um, anyway, I sort of said, "Well, okay, like I guess if that's, <laughs> I guess if you, I guess if you trust me, like thanks." And um, and anyway, so I've been yeah just helping her out with her German a little bit for the last the last few months, and um, it's been really really good as an experience. It's great for me too because I get to revise, um, you know, lots of things that I need to revise in fairness um, for German. So. Like I think it helps her and also actually it helps me. So it kind of goes both ways, which is great. But I can definitely see, yeah, I can definitely see that kind of benefit of having somebody who's been like, oh, don't worry, I was so confused about that too, Um, you know, until someone explained it to me like this or until I realised that actually this is a bit like this in English. And um, so, yeah, I I hope I'm helping her. I think there's a lot of truth in what you're saying too about that so much um, when you are teaching someone a concept that you have recently mastered, um, then it helps cement it in your own mind as well. 
there's a really good quote, but I can't remember it and I'll probably mangle it even if I try to say it. So, but you know what I mean? Like just, <laughs> yep. and yeah. I think there's a lot of truth to that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, something I guess that uh, reminds me of this too is that I remember when when I finished high school, um, I had some friends who went back and like tutored year 12 students the year afterwards or like for a couple yep. of years actually, probably in their first few years of uni just for like pocket money and stuff. Um, but, you know, I guess they just, they'd just been through the experience of going yep. through exams and, you know, preparing for a French exam, French orals and, you know, written, written assessments and whatever. And so it put them in actually a really, really good position to be able to advise, you know, just the kids from the year below um, on what they had done. And yeah, again, totally see the value in that now. I think I think still lots of parents do tend to be like, oh, we definitely want to have a you know a native speaker who's tutoring our kid. But there's um, you know, there's potentially really a lot of value in taking yeah. some tips from the kids who have just done it and and done well. Yep, or the yeah. kids that are now adults, but that yeah. can still remember back. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Oh, that's awesome. Well, I hope that if you're listening out there, that if you have got an opinion either way, we would love to hear about it. Um, you can obviously get in touch with us at any time. Um, we are open to your comments and feedback and questions. Um, so jump onto the email or to the website um, and find us on social media, um, languagelovers.au on Instagram and Facebook. And don't forget about our awesome Facebook community as well. Which is the Language Lovers AU community. Um, we have a, a lovely group of, um, of people there who chat together and ask each other questions and, and we just share a little bit there sometimes, um, which, is, which is a lot of fun. Um, so, yeah, do join our group if you are on Facebook. Um, otherwise, you can get in touch with us, yes, in all of the other ways. And there is um, one more thing that we just wanted to let everybody know about in this episode because there's a pretty cool online event coming up um, and that is Women in Language. Um, now this is, hmm, am I right, this is the fourth edition of Women in Language, fourth, yep, and um, Penny and I, I think have attended all of them. Yes, I, I know. know. We're 2018. Such- I know we're, yeah. we're such loyal, <laughs> such loyal willers, um, <laughs> women in languages, that is. Um, but that is coming up, yeah, very soon at the beginning of March. It's the 4th to the 7th of March and it is entirely online um, and always has been, actually. These guys were like super ahead of the curve um, way back in 2018 when mm-hmm. it started. Mm-hmm. Um, so... If you are interested in a few days of just language goodness um, with a bunch of other interested language peeps, um, not just women, we may not say just so. yes. yes, not just women. Although their entire philosophy about this event is about amplifying the voices of of women in the language space, um, which is is really cool and it's such a fun event and such a great community to be involved in as well. It is how Petty and I met, I um, which is which is just so cool and we're very grateful for that. Um, but if this is something that sounds like it would interest you, if you are sitting there and going, 
oh my God, this sounds like my happy place. How do I find this? Um, go to www.womeninlanguage.com. Um, we will also put a link in the show notes where you can get your ticket. Um, it is not very expensive and it's so much good language stuff over a few days. It also coincides with the with International Women's Day, which is just great timing. But back on the normal schedule, it's usually in March. Last year it was a little bit later um, than usual. But well, the other thing too, Beck, is that um, the all the presentations are recorded so that if the time zones don't work or that you can't catch them for any reason, you can always watch on replay, which I find very handy. Yes. And actually, we should mention too that the girls who run uh, Women in Language, which is Kirsten Cable from The Fluent Show, um, Shannon Kennedy from Eurolinguist and Lindsay from Lindsay Does Languages, do a super job of trying to make the schedule suit basically every time zone in the world um, by kind of staggering everything across the weekend. So um, we were I, I'm every year I'm impressed at their efforts <laughs> with making this work for for many people so that you're not necessarily like always up in the middle of the night trying to catch um to catch talks live and be involved in the live chat which is like probably the, one of the best parts um so it's really cool and great for Australians because you know we really have time zones that match up with other places as well. <laughs> and there are some Australian speakers at this year's conference, Beck. Yes. So I am very excited to be part of um, Women in Language again as a speaker. I was um, a speaker in the first the first time it happened in 2018. Um, but this year I'll be on a panel with two other Australians. Um, yeah, all, all Australian discussion panel. It's going to be, it's going to be cool. Um, so myself as well as, um, two other people who we've actually already had on our podcast, which is the coolest. So, um, I will also be talking with Michelle Froller, um, from the Intrepid Guide and Lauren Gorn, who, um, we just really recently spoke to for, um, she's from Language Chat, sorry, Language Chats from Lingthusiasm. <laughs> another great podcast yeah we are definitely hanging out for that presentation that's for sure we will get a gang of people cheering and supporting um thanks again for joining us on language chats and we will catch you next fortnight see you next time bye